everybody. Welcome to Horror Movie Yearbook. I am Tim. And I'm Willie. Yeah, we're a little late this week, but uh, we're back. So actually, yeah, yeah we took a week. Whatever. It's we're been back. a week. Yeah, it's been a week. Or two. Personal stuff. You don't want to hear about it. Nah. Yeah. Um, but we'll be back. You, you know, stick with us. Uh, the Game Nerds are going to be back, I believe, this week as well. I think they took a week off. They're doing a two-for-one two special. Yep. They're doing a, what, Starfield? Starfield, which and, everybody seems to be playing. And then Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat, yes. Yeah. Mortal Kombat 1. Yes. <laughs> yes. Indeed. I love numbering systems in, in franchises these days. Yeah. It's just the best. Oh, that and, that and Marvel Legacy uh, uh, oh, numbers. Oh, God, I can't. Don't. <laughs> you know that's legitimately, can I Can I just, for? I'm not even going to rant, but can I just talk for a second here about yeah, this? Go for it. It's, um, it's actually one of the reasons I stopped really? buying weekly. I couldn't yeah. do it anymore. Yeah. It just drove. I mean, the cost is the biggest thing, but yeah. like, it just drove me nuts. Oh, was, believe me, I'm I'm trying to keep up with fallbacks right now. Yeah, and I've just decided like I'm not buying anything other than this yeah. because like I can't like. Well, and and what happened was, and, and this could just straight up be the fault of maybe other shops would have done a better job, but like I had a pull list, but like Marvel kept relaunching the same titles, and they would stop pulling it for me. Yeah. And I didn't even realize they did a relaunch of numbering, and then I missed two issues that I could never like get back. And I'm like, well, why am I doing this? The dude, the dude there now, just a heads up. He'll like if you go in there and just be like, hey, can you just pull like all the X Men books for me? He'll pull them, and then he like you don't have to. I don't think you ha- are necessarily on the hook. Oh yeah, I'd get phone calls from the guy. Yeah. before <laughs> you got a lot of books, pick them up. I talked to this dude, and he's like, yeah, if you come in and just be like, yeah, pull the X Men books for me for this month because yeah. he's like, I know it's a pain in the ass to. Keep track of what's going on. He That's said. cool. Yeah, he he seems like a good dude. He's a good dude. He's yeah. He's yeah. he's a good dude. Anyway, yeah. enough I talk know. about our uh, local yes. comic book shop. Check out the game nerds. They're back. Um, we've got a, a fun tiny terror that's coming out. Um, let's just you want to hop in the time machine right now? Um, actually, or do we have any feedback? I do have a little feedback. Yeah. Um. So, firstly, we got an email from Alan. Alan, we haven't talked to you in a while. We got oh. an email. Yes. Great. To... Alan. And from Alan. Yeah. Yes. Love Alan. Great to hear from you, buddy. Hope hope the uh, universe is treating you well. Um, he says, listen, we all love horror here. We're all horrified that Trump is still somehow a candidate for the Republicans. <laughs> Get it, Alan. <laughs> um, but when are we going to start a wrestling podcast? Um, you know, Alan, I don't know. Uh, here's the problem with... with I, I love it. Um, I do. But here's the problem with the wrestling podcast thing, just from my perspective. Yeah. There are too many of them. Yeah. And the trouble with the wrestling podcast is 90% of them are like, I don't want to even say ex-wrestlers, but but wrestlers that are kind of past their biggest days. Um, I don't mean that offensively. It just is what it is. Um, Or like guys that worked behind the scenes for a long time, like a Jim Cornette or a, uh, uh, whatever guys. So there's those. And then there's a lot of like dirt sheet podcasts. Yeah. So they cover that. Like, so I guess my thing with the wrestling podcast is like, what do you talk about? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't really know. I don't watch. I, I, I have, I watch the wrestling I watch at this juncture in my life. Yeah. Um, I can just keep up with that enough. Um, I struggle sometimes, depending on the, how the week goes, to keep up with that. Yep. Um, I I could never do what a lot of wrestling fans are able to do and watch all of it. And there are some wrestling fans who watch like by, by all of it. I mean like 
two, two, let's say two of the major companies. Yeah. And watch every bit of content. I mean, you, how do you, like, I don't think they watch anything else. And I don't, I can't do it. Like, I can't, you know. That's a, okay. So I want to start off by saying thank you, Alan. Absolutely. I, no, yeah, I don't mean to, yeah, I'm just, that's, I, I struggle with the idea of that because it's. I appreciate that you would even think, like, you would think, like, hey, when are, when are we going to start? Like, I love it. Yeah. And yeah, I appreciate I that. Here's the thing, because I've actually, like, I, like, like, I've thought about this before and I, I came to peace with the fact that I will never do this anyway. Um, there are certain things in my life that I just like being a fan of that I just like enjoying like and that I don't necessarily love all the time to sit down and dissect I'll dissect it of course like you and I will text or like I'll sit down and watch a, like a football game my favorite team and I'll, I'll yep. watch but I'll be into it and I'll watch it but I don't necessarily want to sit down and like dissect it talk about the things I like and don't like I sometimes like to just go I like that didn't really like that I'll watch it next time Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with you to be informed, I would have to watch everything that happened every week. And I, I do don't like a lot of what happened. Like, I don't want to watch what I don't watch. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I, that's kind of what I was trying to say. I will say that the only idea that sitting here and Alan, if you have an idea for a, a wrestling podcast, ser- I'm serious. Like tell, I am curious to hear what your angle yeah. would be. Yeah. Cause it would have to be, for me, it would have to be more than just. To be interested in doing something like that, first of all, I'd have to have the free time, which I really don't at the moment. But if I do get some free time, which could happen, who knows, yeah. there would have to be an angle that would interest me in doing it, like beyond just being a fan of wrestling. Like right. I, I wouldn't just do weekly wrap-ups of a show. I don't want to do that. Yeah. The only one that popped in my head is like a like a... a wrestling... like a wrestling bracket podcast. Yeah. You come up with some crazy bracket. Yeah. Like whether it's like goofiest gimmicks or like um coolest finishing move or uh best theme song or uh see even this so biggest toss and just like do a podcast where it's just a bracket of that and you work your way to so even this like great idea sure but like i'm not gonna do this um because i don't feel comfortable in my knowledge of I'm just gonna say it. WWE past like 2002, <laughs> like right. 2002 till now. Yeah, I could not. Like you could play a theme music, like someone's yeah. theme music. I probably couldn't tell you who it is. Well, I think we would just pick our whatever the heck we no, want. But like yeah. even then, but I know like, what you're saying though. I wouldn't feel confident even doing yeah. that Haas bracket because like I don't know who all the Haas. I don't know. Yeah. All, like, well, that's great. Kali is the answer. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. That's like the winner. I have a very limited. I get knowledge. it. Yeah, I get it. I know. Yeah, that's a fair counter argument. So, Alan, if you can think of something, we just we just told you how we feel about it. <laughs> if you can think of something that would get us on the, you know, on the path towards that, by all means. But. Uh, but yeah, Alan, check out, uh, watch me do some commentary on YouTube. I'll plug yeah, myself. Plug it, plug it, plug it. Uh, Northwest Championship, Championship Wrestling. On the YouTube. On the YouTubes. You can watch me do some commentary. Decent commentary. I won't say great. Um, it's excellent. Thank you. Uh, um, All right. You just reminded me, though. Yes. I have not done this, but I have not said it before. We have I, we have people who only listen to us on YouTube. Uh, ah. And I can, and because, and we've, we've seemed to have got like a decent amount of people who just listen to us um, on YouTube and on a consistent basis because we hover around the same views on there too. And it's very cool. Thank you. First of all. But I do not 
upload the tiny terrors to YouTube. Oh. Um, a lot of it's due to timing, and some of it is because I want to make sure you subscribe to us wherever. So if you're yeah. listening to us on, on YouTube, YouTube right now, yeah, you're not getting all of us. Yes, there's if you like us enough yeah. to do this regularly, we do have more content on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, whatever, whatever, you, wherever you can find your podcast, yeah, wherever yeah. we're on. Stitcher we, is gone, I believe. Is it or is going away? Okay, I think I heard something like we I were think on Nikki there. told me we're um, on like. We're on a we're on pretty much. There's average. a ton of places yeah. you can find us, but but check them out because the tiny terrors are a ton of fun, and and you get to not that we don't ramble. We're doing it right now. Um, not that we don't ramble on our regular shows, but if you want to hear us, just go like totally like just like random thoughts being blurted out. You can hear it there for sure. Yeah. yeah. So very. So yes. Yeah, so it, first, yeah. Thank you, but like because of how I. It doesn't. We don't have the way we upload doesn't automatically do it to YouTube. I have to do mm-hmm. it separately. So, but honestly, just by the time Tiny Terrors come, I just don't have the time, and I want people to subscribe to us elsewhere. So I don't know how you have the time to do up. what you are doing right now. So yeah. thank you for that again. Yeah. Um, All right. Anyway, uh, are we hopping in a time machine? We are going. In, we're going back to November twentieth, nineteen ninety nine. This movie came out in November. Seems like well, it did all right. Anyway, give me time. Yeah, kind of weird, right? Yeah. Uh, time machine sound. That was the blade slicing. You want music or movies from November twentieth? Oh 20th, my gosh, we get to do both, right? Let's do or just one. What let's do doing? the top five of movies real quick. Okay, we're gonna start. With, so right. we'll cut it in half. Let's do that. This is gonna give you idea. We're gonna set the stage for where we were on November twentieth, nineteen ninety nine. Well, wow, where were you, real quick? Just high school. We, we like to, you were in high school. What year? What high school were you in? What were you about a sophomore? Sophomore. Yeah. Yeah, I was. Uh, this is the year I was graduating middle school. Okay. Did so. you see this in the theater? I did not. I saw it on video too. Yeah. Saw it on VHS. Rented it from my local video store once it hit VHS. Be honest, what sold you on it? Was it Christina Ricci? <laughs> I was. I so I was in love with Christina Ricci. Yes. Um, in love, like like she was my. Fr- I think my first like celebrity crush, mm-hmm. even as like a kid, like, a, like even before I kind of knew what a crush was. Yeah. I would watch um I would watch Adam's family a bunch. Yep. I would watch Casper a ton. And I wasn't into like kids movies all that much back then, but I would watch Casper a lot. <laughs> and I would watch I would rent now and then. Okay. The uh coming of age young uh prepubescent coming of age tale about girls. Yes. Um and I remember like my dad being like, "What are you renting now and then again?" Like, yeah. Those... And he figured it out. <laughs> Uh, and I think he was like, "Oh, okay, nice, right. little, nice little child." I think he was crush. just kind of like, "This is like, why yeah. do you keep bringing the same movie?" Well, and I hated Devin Sawa. <laughs> I still hate him. Hope I get to meet him one day so I can tell <laughs> him to his face. Yeah, they kissed Christina Ricci two times. Tim, two times. Casper and now and then. Oh, he's in now and then. Too. Two he's times, in, Tim. He's in uh, the new. He's in the Chucky show. I hate him. He keeps dying and showing up every season. <laughs> Maybe I should watch it. Yeah, I think you would like this. Actually, it might be therapy for me. Anyway, here are the uh, top five movies though yes. this weekend. Number five, Dogma. Love Dogma. I do too. It's my favorite Kevin Smith movie. Is it? Yes, that's cool. Yeah, it is. I think it's his most well-rounded and, and complete movie. and personal. And yes. I, I if I point back to some of because he went back into his shell. After he all of the controversy, and he made Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which is kind of a goofy stoner comedy, a fun movie, but, um, but also not a very personal movie. That's what I mean by going back in a shell. I think Dogma might be kind of like him, kind of clamming up in some ways as a as an artist. Yeah, I and I do think he's gotten as much as I not crazy about something. I do think he's gotten a little bit 
more personal in some of his more recent work. Sure, I agree. Um, yeah, he's he's such an interesting director. We could talk about Kevin yeah. Smith. A... Oh, I think we did at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, Red yeah, State yeah, yeah. episode. Oh, yes, we did. Yes, we could talk about him all the time. But like, no, he's um. I'm weird with Kevin Smith. Where like, I tend to like my favorite Kevin Smith movies tend to be the ones that people generally don't throw in their top couple. Yeah. You know, so I'm not gonna say what the other one is because I'll get persecuted for it. What is it? Jersey Girl. I think Jersey, Jersey Girl's Girl. great. Yeah, it's it's Jersey Girl got um, bombed uh, by Geely. It did in the benefit. Jersey Girl, I think, is a really sweet. It doesn't feel totally Kevin Smith, but I think it kind of does it too. Does, yeah. It just it just it veers more into one area of Kevin Smith. Yeah. Than than you know anyway. So number four at the box office, The Bone Collector. Bone Collector, cool movie. It is kind of funny, isn't um, it? Yeah. Of like the, uh, there were a lot of movies like that. That's kind of like, that, po- we're still in that post-Silence of the Lambs. Post-7, seven, post-Silence yeah. of the Lambs. There were a lot of movies where you would, you would, they would literally just draw, who are the top 10 biggest actor and actress names right now? And they'd pull one out of each hat. And they got Denzel Washington and Angelina Jolie. And they said, we're going to put them in a, in a serial killer thriller. And they were doing that a lot. Yep. Like they were... Of the of this rash of these movies that was coming out over the course of this time period, I think Bone Collector is like one of the best. So I enjoyed that one too. Yeah, um, Pokemon the first movie at number three. Six out of the drive-in. <laughs> nice. Sick movie. You were a Pokemon guy, right? Um, I burned hot and bright, or whatever they say. Yeah. Uh, it is still going strong. Speaking of the comic store, every time I go in there, someone is at the desk trading in Pokemon cards. For sure, it's still it's still a big deal. Um, yeah. I am not. Uh, I I was a Pokemon a huge Pokemon fan for about a year, and then I was over it. Okay, it was quick. Um, so I never had any sort of major. My nostalgia for Pokemon is fleeting. How about that? Okay, it's there a little bit, but yeah, that first movie is pretty good though. It's touching. There's a really, really touching scene with Pikachu. So, okay, I've never seen it. I've, Pokemon passed me by. Number two is the film we're going to be talking about, Sleepy Hollow. And nice. Number one, the world is not enough. James Bond. These two were really close. Oh, for help one me out because you're the Bond guy. Which one is this? This is the one with Denise Richards. She oh, it's a bad movie. <laughs> this is a, yeah, it's a bad movie. Pierce is one of those. He's a Bond, or I like him as Bond, but his movies are not always stellar. I like the first two. And then after that, those next two are kind of fun. But. Wasn't Dalton the opposite issue where like he was not the best Bond, but his movies, movies were kind of, of, yeah. was a better Bond? It might have been. Yeah. yeah. Same thing with Lazen Lays- like the the go-to because that one, um, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, is probably like the best Bond movie. As, as a movie. Like if the Connery were in that, it'd be perfect. Like the perfect It would Bond. be the perfect Bond movie. But anyway. All right. Hi, Nikki. Hey, Nikki made a cameo. You guys ask for Nikki on occasion, so yeah. <laughs> you got you you got a little tiny bit of Nikki there. Anyway, let's roll these, through these the music and then we'll get into the movie. Yes, number ten, "Steal My Sunshine" by Len. Oh, I love this song. Do you love it? Yes, I do. Um, just recently featured in Twisted Metal, Peacock's Twisted Metal. Okay. Uh, we watched wow. two episodes of it and we were like, eh. <laughs> it's cool, but I just I could I, I could tell I wasn't into it. Yeah. Just I could already. Yeah. Uh, number nine. I want to love you forever by Jessica Simpson. This is like a really like she screams. This. this is like a power ballad. Okay, I'm sure I know it. Yeah, um, but, I vaguely remember yeah. it. Number eight, my love is your love by Whitney. I believe she's just going by Whitney at this point. This is uh, later career. Whitney uh, Houston. This is Whitney Houston. Yes, I believe oh, she's just going by Whitney. Oh, I remember this one. My love is your love. I kind of remember it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Number seven, unpretty by TLC. Okay. Yep. It's a pretty good song. Uh, number six. I don't remember this one. Satisfy You by Puff Daddy featuring R. Kelly. Uh-oh. 
Let's move oh, on. No. Let's, just, let's just go to the next song. Yeah. Uh, number five, Heartbreaker by Mariah Carey featuring Jay-Z. Okay. Yeah, I know that one. Number four, Need to Know by Mark Anthony. Yep. Never was a big Mark Anthony guy. Mark Anthony used to sell uh, jackets at Kohl's. I bought a Mark Anthony jacket one time. Oh, I thought you meant like, he worked at Kohl's. <laughs> like, he was selling... <laughs> I was like, how do you know that? Excuse me, he, he, made, he had his clothing line was carried at Okay, Coles. I was... Mark Anthony used to sell jackets Mark Anthony at used Coles. to work at the Gaylord, Michigan Yeah, Coles. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> what? Uh, number three, this is recently uh, horror-related. Uh, Mambo number five by Lou Vega. Did you ah. see the Stephen King quote recently? No. He said that while he was writing whatever book came out around this time, or just writing in general, I believe. Okay. Um, he played this when the song first came out. He had a CD that had this song, a remix, and like the instrumental, instrumental, and he just played it on a loop while he wrote. And he's like, "My wife was going to divorce me." Do you know what book it was he was working on? No, I don't. Shit, I, 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 I guess na- is you work it out of variety, but yeah. I want to find out because, like that, that would I want to see would've how. Ninety nine would have been. Would it have been Dreamcatcher? Maybe. I think so, dude. <laughs> Which makes a lot of sense. <laughs> that that like that to me. Feels so right. Um, I'll have to take a look and see what he was. What came out around that time? Mambo number five. Um, not a great song. It, uh, very catchy. N- not one of my. Fa- yeah, I'm not gonna say not not a favorite of mine. How about that? Yeah. I'm not gonna say not my favorite. Not not a great song. That's not fair. Um, um, yeah. Definitely right. an earworm, though, right? <laughs> Definitely. This was all over. Um, the next one here, number two, is back at one. Um, by Brian McKnight. Back at one. You're like a dream uh, that's that's like a good middle school or high school dance song, right? Dreamcatcher came out in 01. I'm pretty sure he was writing Dreamcatcher. I remember. Because the car accident was 99. Holy shit. He was listening to Mama Number 5. <laughs> well, he was writing Duddits. Oh, my gosh. Poor guy. Brian McKnight wrote a song about 10 years ago now. Okay. Um. It was the most like raunchy song. He performed it at the Adult Video News Awards. Well, okay, so I was just going to say that. So, so Brian McKnight, the the songs, the song that you're referring to, was part of a a musical uh, project he was doing. Yeah. For a for like he was writing songs for a pornography website. So when they would, when you would start the the to play the video of your choice yeah. Brian McKnight would come on and sing about um, I believe I'm sorry uh, I'm not going to say I've got the lyrics right here he was are we doing this are, <laughs> no, we well, we're, we've got the explicit tag I'm sorry I know, I'm giggling at these lyrics I don't care who hears it but are you sure um, <laughs> let me show you how that mm works bet you didn't know that it could squirt I had to say it okay, uh, it could yeah. like <laughs> yeah um, I read lyrics or heard a clip of uh, he had a song that was written about, um, how can I put this delicately? Um, what I, I guess you would consider uh, a non-traditional point of entry. Okay. The back of a Volkswagen. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we'll call it the back of a, and, and, and it was a, it was a really, it was very, I remember hearing it. It was very funny because he sang it with his like same like passion and conviction that he'd sing about anything. Yeah. It just so happened to be about this thing Beckett one is not oh, are we that. sure <laughs> we don't because of the thing yeah most songs let's analyze really, those lyrics yeah most songs they're just yeah. not as explicit as his uh, later well, pornography yeah, yeah. Uh, pornographical work audience then, go back and analyze the lyrics and you let us know if it's not 
raunchy. And the number one song in America, November 20th, when Sleepy Hollow came out, mm. 1999, Rob Thomas and Carlos Santana's Smooth. I don't like this song. Didn't, this was like this yeah. one, and uh, Rob Thomas was the... Uh, he was like the soundtrack to a lot of the uh, Detroit Pistons early 2000s playoffs. That is true. That is very true. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, before they started winning a ton, right? <laughs> yeah, it was during their playoffs. It was before, yeah, their championship. I think, but I think, um, I don't think Smooth was their championship song. I think it was This Is How Our Heart Breaks was there. Yes, and then they started doing the, the Black Eyed Peas thing. Let's get it started. That yep. was another one. That was yep. post winning their first championship yep. in, in forever. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, there you go. A little, you go. A little uh, basketball, a little Detroit Pistons trivia. Early two thousands, going to work. Ben Wallace Pistons. You got the only bit of basketball trivia out of me that you'll ever get out of me. <laughs> so. They were a big, they were a big deal back in the. That's not true. Uh, the one little piece of trivia. Uh, Wes Craven had a character kill somebody with a basketball in one of his films. Yes, he did. Well, we've talked about basketball a lot because we talked about John Carpenter. Very true. Yeah. Very true. I wonder if John liked the. Uh, like Deadly Friend. Early aughts Detroit Pistons. Of course he did. <laughs> yeah. Were they winning? <laughs> I love John, but... He's a bit of a bandwagoner. Yeah, I bet you he's got a Lions shirt on right now. <laughs> we are talking about <laughs> Sleepy Hollow, though. Yes. Sleepy Hollow is directed by old Timmy Burton. Let's talk about Tim Burton real quick. Well, we've literally... I can't say we've never brought up his name, but we've never talked about a Tim Burton movie specifically on this show. Yeah. It's because crazy. this... I will say, I think... And we talked a little bit about this off air. I think this is his only straight-up horror movie. Which is crazy because, like, when you think of Tim Burton, you think of gothic, uh, you think of, like, the gothic uh, look, you think of um, that kind of twisty, spindly architecture, you think of uh, a lot of black, <laughs> yes, black and white, a lot of um, contrast, that you think of those spooky Danny Elfman scores, I mean, like, Edward Scissorhands, another example, you know, like, it, it it's feels so close to horror, but it's not quite, you know, full. Let's see. I'm gonna bring. I'm bringing up his filmography. Okay. And we're wow. Gonna, it's it's a heck of one. Yeah, we're gonna just rapid fire right yeah. here. We're gonna start at the beginning, which would be, I guess, like Frank and Winnie Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Though it's like his first yes, feature film. Yes. Nikki's uh, favorite movie. Let's say. Um. Let's do this. Fan or not a fan? Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Love it. Yeah. Fan. Uh. Beetlejuice. Love it. Yep. Uh. Original Batman. Love it. Yep. Edward Scissorhands. Love it. Yep. Batman Returns. Love it. Ed Wood. Um, I have to. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I love it. Um, I, I'm like. I haven't seen it in years, so I don't want to say love it because I haven't seen it in years. Until so. right now, I'm like 100. percent Like I'm. No, I, I like all of these. I'll just yeah. say I'll, here. I'm not gonna do luck like it, love it. I'm just gonna say yes or yay or nay. There we go. Um, Mars Attacks. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Sleepy Hollow. Yay. Planet of the Apes. Nay. Nay. Yeah, I'm a nay too. That's my first nay. I'm yeah. with you. Uh, Big Fish. Yay. Yep. Uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Nay. I'm a, I'm a definite nay on that. I don't like that movie. Um, Corpse Bride. Never seen it. I have. I'm, a, I'm like a... I don't remember. Um, the music video for The Killer's Bones. Um, Never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Sweeney Todd. Uh, yay. I'm a yay on that too. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a light yay, but yep. it's a yay. Um, I guess you know what that, I was tiring of the of the of the Tim Burton death Johnny thing Depp thing at, this point. at that point and Hello about I think I was like all right we that's get it. close to a horror movie too it's that's, close yeah that's close yeah. to being straightforward horror but it, yeah. the musical element always throws me on that yeah um, Alice in Wonderland uh, I'm gonna go yay actually you like this one okay I think it's actually kind of fun I have not you know what I have not seen this one it's actually quite a bit of fun and it feels like a Burton movie through a Disney lens in a good way okay 
It feels like a, a nice marriage. That's what I thought. It felt like a nice marriage of the two. So I, I'm going to go yay on that one. Dark Shadows. Never saw it. I'm a mixed on Dark Shadows. Okay. Dark Shadows kind of bums me out because I feel like early Burton would have knocked it out of the park. Um, Dark Shadows, of course, is based on the old soap opera. My mom was always a big fan. Yep. All that. Yeah. Um, and you can see like the influence of that soap opera on a lot of his work. And I feel like prime Burton would have killed it, but he, yeah. he plays, he doesn't play it straight. He plays it like a, like a campy, like and, a farce, like a camp. Yeah. Okay. yeah like kind of like a spoof. Um, I've never seen it. So Frank and weenie. I never like saw a, it. Yeah, I'm like, eh. uh, big eyes. I'm a yay on big eyes. Never saw it. Uh, check big eyes out. That's good. Okay. Later. Burton, uh, Dumbo. Never saw it. I have not seen this one either. It, it looked like I might like it. Uh, Dumbo's got some daddy issues, doesn't he? He's uh, got mommy. Yeah, yeah, I think it's more mommy. But daddy's not. See, Disney Disney characters are fucked up, dude. Yeah, they always, the dad doesn't it's, like. Yeah, there's, there's one of the parents is never present. So, what's your favorite Tim Burton movie of the ones? Oh my god, that I just named. I didn't expect you to do that for some reason. Uh my favorite Tim Burton movie. Um, I would call myself a fan of Tim Burton. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite Tim Burton movie? I I don't know that I. I think I can't think of one. Ed Wood. You know what? I'm gonna be lame here. I think it's Beetlejuice. Great choice. Uh, yeah. But I want to. I just want to say, I like. I like a lot of these movies, and like some of these, like I love Batman Returns. I like Ed Wood is probably like his best movie. Okay, but it doesn't have to be your favorite. Big Fish, though, is to me like that's the ultimate Burton movie. Is Big Fish in some ways because well, it's, it's like kind the, of that culmination of everything you did up to that point. Yeah. Right, and it, it has kind of the daddy issues that we talk about in a lot of his movies. Not this, yeah, for not sure. this one so much. My favorite Burton movie. Um, I don't want to say Batman '89, but I kind of yeah, it's yeah. but it. Uh, I don't like that. I'm not gonna say. I don't That's know. Kind of I, but I lo- like. I love Mars Attacks. That's kind of I'm with Beetlejuice because Beetlejuice it, is up there. Yeah, because yeah, it just it feels like um. I don't know. It feels it's early Burton. He's playing around. But Scissorhands is up there too. Yeah, Scissorhands is really great too. Yeah, I can't do it. Yeah. Uh, you ready to talk about? You ready to dive into this? Oh, you know what? Let's uh, quick review of the movie. Yeah. Yes. Um, go for it. All right. I, 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 you know what? I'm not shy. I'll go first. Um, Tim, I mm. uh, haven't seen Sleepy Hollow. Glad you you brought this one up because this is one of those movies where like I feel like I, I I this is not a knock in the movie. I feel like I never like I don't I'm not sure I ever would have watched this again for any particular reason if you hadn't yeah. brought it. Which is part of the fun of doing the podcast is like. Um, I saw Sleepy Hollow back when it came out on uh, on VHS. I remember renting it on the new release wall. Uh, my dad's a big Tim Burton fan. My mom's a big Johnny Depp fan. We all watched it together. And I remember liking it, but I remember thinking, like, it's all right. Like, okay, it's cool. But I was never, like, I wasn't certainly wasn't, like, blown away by it. And I don't know what the reasoning back then was for it, but I, for whatever reason, I remember walking away going, like, it was an all right movie. Like, it was cool, you know. And uh, I don't think I've watched it since then, which is crazy. That must have been, that probably was like 2000. Yeah. Or 2001, Yeah, it would have been maybe. when it came out on yeah, like DVD yeah. and VHS. That yeah. sounds right. And uh, I feel like this is one of the first DVDs I ever watched for some reason. That seems right. I know I saw it on VHS though, because no. I, <laughs> my first DVD I ever owned was Swordfish. Have I ever talked yeah, about yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, Yes, okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but people that um, have seen Swordfish probably understand. Oh, it was the perfect first DVD. <laughs> the rewind, because of all the, the rewind and capabilities and the were, dancing Anyway, yeah. uh, and I, <laughs> Travolta's really funny. I had a, I had a uh, portable DVD player too. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Um, 
Anyway, oh, Nikki, uh, Nikki chimed in. She she heard us talking a little bit up there. Tim Burton. And so Nikki wants to make another cameo here. So now you're talking about Beetlejuice. I feel uh, I feel the same way. Kind of overrated. Um, we were talking about Beetlejuice. I'll have to respond to her. Uh, it's my here. favorite. We were talking about Beetlejuice. Um, uh, we were not saying it was overrated, but that's totally fine. That's yeah. there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. That's the thing about Tim Burton's movies is he's one of those guys where like, I feel like any of his movies you could say are overrated, or underrated. Yeah. Like any of them, it's a it's a taste thing. It's with a him. weird, yeah. I, it's like what it's like it's like Wes Anderson. Um, some people either you gravitate towards it or you don't. For uh, sure, it's yeah. a very similar. Yeah. Anyway, we were talking about uh, my Sleepy first Hall. yes, yeah. Sleepy Hollow. So um, before I cut off on Swordfish's tangent there, um, watching it this time, I went, man, like I don't think I can name right now. And and when I first thought of it, I don't think I can name a more perfect marriage of director and um, subject than this. This is about as like like the Legend of Sleepy Hollow and Tim Burton. It's perfect. Yeah. Like it's it's and, and most of us, I think, I, probably you, you too, but like I think for the most of our most of us, like our first encounter with this Legend of Sleepy Hollow was the Disney, the Ichabod Crane yes. cartoon. Um, which I watched last year and still really like. It's great. Yeah. It's great. It's really good. It still has that danger of early Disney. Yep. Not that like there no. isn't, but it is that, that there's a certain element of like danger and darkness about that one that some of those early Disney movies have. And um, when you watch that Disney, when you go like it, it, there are the illustrations and stuff, you go, this is, feels like Tim Burton. It feels very, the, the use of shadow and the use like the, the twisty trees and, and it's, it feels very Tim Burton. So it's a perfect marriage. Um, and, and I think Andrew Kevin Walker wrote the screenplay for this. Yes. And he had written, uh, he was working on getting Seven out there at this point. Uh, seven had not been released yet, correct? It was 2000? Was Seven? I thought Seven was like 97. Was it? Yeah. All right. Well, you'll have to, yeah. uh, I'll dig that up. But yeah. um, but Andrew Kevin Walker was certainly a screenwriter on the rise. Yes. And, um, uh, like, I'm sure he's working on these around the same time. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. No, Seven was 95. I don't know why okay. I was smoking. Um. <laughs> So this is post seven. Anyway, um, so just everything kind of came together. It's it's a it's a beautiful marriage of, of of all these creators and this creative idea. I love the spin on the uh, the story. I like the spin the idea that Ichabod is not a school teacher. He's like a um, is he a constable? Yes, a constable. Right. Yeah, and he's there to kind of solve this mystery of what the headless horseman is and what's actually going on in Sleepy Hollow. I love the idea of the conspiracy. I like the idea. Like I like what the movie does with the spins it takes on on the legend um uh i enjoyed it quite a bit watching it this time around i thought it was that was a really fun fun brisk horror story uh period piece thing that being said i still kind of walked away from it this time going like it was all right yeah i th- for something i don't know what it is with this movie because it kind of has everything that i feel like I feel like it has everything in it that would normally be like this is like a like a like an A movie like a, like a, a, an A minus B plus movie for me, but it kind of feels like a B minus C plus movie for me, and I don't mean that like it's a bad thing. It just feels kind of like a, a decent movie. I don't know. I don't know what's missing for me. There's something there that I, I that I must have been feeling back then when I first watched it, and I still feel it now. Um, and uh, a solid entry in Burton's in Burton's uh, filmography, but I just don't think it's it's. Um, I don't walk away going, man. I re- I need to rewatch that. I, like it's, I just, I don't yeah. Know. There's just something missing. Worth a watch for sure, but it just doesn't. 
It doesn't add up to too much for me, except for Christopher Walken. Yes. <laughs> Who's great. Anyway, Tim. This is the third time I watched it. I remember, so I watched it when it came out, um, originally on video, whichever format that was, and really liked it. Enjoyed it. Um, then I watched it again because I rewatched all of Burton's filmography. Uh, it's been a while now. Um, I remember you doing that. Yeah, it's been a while now, yeah. though. Um, Five years? Probably even. Or so? I think it was, yeah. It may have been one of the podcasts was going on, but I was watching it because um, I like to revisit his stuff. It yeah, may have been sure. around the time. Yeah. Is he up in your top directors? Just out of curiosity, real quick, is like, like, would you consider as him I a- go through that? It's kind maybe. of maybe. Yeah. It's but the thing is, his his back that like later stuff, that Disney stuff for me never really clicks. Um, like his. But I think a lot of your favorite directors are the same way, right? And same with mine. Right. I think the yeah. later era, you kind of go, oh, like even like Raimi, like yeah. he's, he had some. Like Burton, he had some ones that you really kind of like. Yes, Dragged me to hell is a good example. Yep, but he also had some stuff like Oz, where you're like, eh. Even like Carpenter too. A lot yes. of that later Carpenter stuff, I have to work to find what I really, really like in it. Yes, um, yes, it happens. I think I don't. It does, but you know what? Then stuff like I really like Wednesday, and I think he's kind of like a perfect fit. See, so there you go. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. I can see why like why younger people gravitate towards Tim Burton. Um, and a lot he's of a misfit. Yes. Yeah. And we, I think most young people feel like misfits in some way. Yeah. So. There's, but you know what? He has what I've always, I think what I've always dug and why he and Depp were a really great team together is they were able to take that kind of outsider perspective. I think this is a great example of it too, this mm-hmm. movie. Sure. And filter it through like a more mainstream lens. Yes. Oh yeah. His movies are very commercial too. Yes. Well, most of them. Yeah. Yeah. He's able to kind of, it's, it kind of like smuggle in the weirdness. In Even Pee Wee, which is his first like, uh, you know, major. Uh, well, he did Frank and Weenie, but that was a short, wasn't it? The original Frank and Weenie. I, Frank and Weenie was short because he so, did, he did a feature length. Pee Wee was his first, you know, uh, and like even Pee Wee, when you watch it now, um, it 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 feels like a like a studio movie. It's just b- bizarre and wacky and crazy, but somehow it like. I mean, that, works. you said Batman 89. Batman 89 is a prime example. That movie, yeah. people look back on it. Like, you look back, it's got a print soundtrack. Jack Nicholson is all over the place. Michael Keaton was a huge... Um, that was a big deal because big he was deal. a comedic actor. He was a comedic point. actor. He does not look anything like your prototypical Batman. Kim Basinger, I think, was an, was not unknown, but not... She was not... That, uh, that Gotham is so stylized after, like, 1920s German horror. Yeah. You sit there and you go... And, like, that's kind of the Gotham they would go with for a little bit. Yeah. I'm um, in the comics and the cartoon. And you sit there and go, like, man, that was the biggest movie of all time for a while. Like, it that was. was, like, the biggest movie of the... And then I hear people go, like, yeah, they don't make them like that anymore. I'm like, no, they didn't really make it like that, that back then. then. <laughs> yeah. No. Like, no, there, there are some movies that are just outliers. They, yeah. they, they are... There were some movies that, like, I, I love that you said that because it's true. Like, yeah, they just, you know, these new Batmans don't hold a candle to it. Well, well, that could only have happened once under the circumstances that happened. Yeah. It will never happen again. And that's okay because it makes it special. But, like, no, there's some movies that just, yeah. you can never, you will never, reca- you could try and you will never recapture whatever, yeah. whatever cocktail was happening creatively at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. His movies always, like, give me, like, the other thing too is you know me I'm a vibes guy. Yeah. I like yeah. to especially around this time of year like I like to I like the vibes. Yeah. I like to watch movies for vibes and that's yeah. okay. Um I think it's great. Yeah. yeah. This to me this um Sleepy Hollow a lot of it works on vibes because it's so it's called so like spooky and atmospheric and it feels feel I picked this 
because it, I thought it was a Halloween movie. Um, and it kind of is, but like Halloween wasn't really. Um, I mean, it's got jack o' lanterns and stuff. We'll count it. Um, yeah. It but does it, have the vibes, though. Yeah, and because it, it feels. You see his influence of uh, like Hammer Horror is all Big over time, this movie, huge. including some of the actors. I mean, Christopher Lee. Yep. So that's that's what I mean by that. This is because where it doesn't work for me is that original story. If you go back and read it, is very slight. Um, <laughs> it's like it's, but that's the way it's meant. It's meant to be like a a spooky Halloween style one night reading it. It's a campfire tale. It's a campfire tale. Um, it's a story that you tell some, tell a group of friends when you're all, uh, you know, at a, at a sleepover and to like freak people out. That's it. That's the story doesn't necessarily lend itself to a feature length movie. And I think some of the mystery in this movie doesn't really work for me. I get it. I get a little bit, but you know what? That's kind of Burton in a nutshell. Like when I look back at like Batman 89 or even Batman returns, like, the specifics of that movie, the plot detail, like the uh, the plot of those movies, don't really always work or make sense to me. Sure, but it it's a Tim Burton movie through and through. Like, there's a weirdness to it. Yeah, there's a logic that his movies have that yep. isn't necessarily like our logic. It's mm-hmm. whatever his logic is. So yeah, no, I and I think that part of, that's part of sometimes where like the commercial aspect of his stuff comes in, where his where the creativity, like his creative voice and the commercial aspect, kind of blend is that. Ultimately, I think Burton is a storyteller who, if it's entertaining his audience, or he thinks it's going to entertain his audience, he's not going to worry about the finer details sometimes. Yep. Just make it happen. Like, yeah. yeah. So. All right. We're going to, I'm going to try to run through this plot as quick as I can. It's a pretty brisk plot anyway. Yeah. In 1799. Kind of funny that they said it in 1799 too, like in 1999, turn of the century. Um, Ichabod Crane, a New York City police constable criticized for predilection for scientific methods, is dispatched to the upstate Dutch hamlet of Sleepy Hollow, which is plagued by a series of brutal decapitations. Indeed. A wealthy father and his son, Peter and Dirk Van Garrett, and widow Emily Winship. Received by the insular town elders, wealthy businessman Baltus Van Tassel, town doctor Thomas Lancaster, the Reverend Steenwick, notary James Hardenbrook, and magistrate Samuel Phillips, Ichabod learns that the locals believe the killer is the undead undead apparition of a headless Hessian mercenary from the Revolutionary War who rides at nightfall on a black steed in search of his missing head. Let's talk about that. <laughs> um, we're pretty, I mean, we're pretty um, sticking to the original story here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Point. We're pretty true to the original story. Pretty much. Point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's still, he go, in either version, he goes to Sleepy Hollow to kind of investigate what's going on this time he just happens to be like forced to do it by his bosses because he's an investigator yeah um so all right i'm gonna get it out of the way christopher walken in the movie plays the headless horseman um i don't know that he was playing the headless version of the horseman i like to think that he was in that (laughs) in that suit yes um but uh probably not um that being said uh, he's amazing and hilarious in this because he doesn't have a single line of dialogue and he's got an insane like fright wig and amazing t- fake teeth and he just hisses and growls at everything. It's sweet. <laughs> there was no reason that Christopher Walken had to play this role. No, but yeah, but, but it, it's awesome. We talk about like um, Burton influences 
and like Walken playing like a silent film. It's like, awesome. No dialogue style, like horror villain is perfect. It feels like a, it feels like like a Lon Chaney thing or something. Like, yes, it feels it's just it's so cool. I joke about it because it's it is a silly thing to think about that like Walken is running around in this movie, like in an insane wig and stuff. But like that's uh, not the first time he put him in a crazy wig. Um. But I, I legitimately think it's a very cool choice to have Walken play this this yeah. character, um, and this that that origin is obviously from the original story as well, the Hessian mercenary thing. Um, I will say I think I'm starting to discover as we go through the plot already some of the things that maybe those like un intangibles that I, I like I feel are, are missing. I here's the thing with with Depp in this movie, I don't think he's miscast. I'm totally cool with Depp as Ichabod Crane. The performance is fine. Because of the nature of the story and the character of Ichabod Crane, yes, Depp gets to get weird and kind of eccentric with it because he's working with Tim Burton, right? And that's like those two are known for creating together kind of crazy off the wall characters. But he's never able to like do that much with it. He's always kind of reeled back because there's limitations to what you can do with the, yeah. the Ichabod character, which might be for the best, judging by some of the later collaborations, because things get really wacky later on. Yeah, but. It does. There's. It's unavoidable that it feels a little bit muted because of that. Does that make sense? I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah. and I think it affects some of the other performers around him too. Like even like Christina Ricci feels a little bit like there is not a lot of chemistry between the two, no. and I think some of that I is think the they age. dated, didn't they? Am I crazy? No, here? I don't think so. Okay, there's an age difference between the two though. Well. At this point, too, like nine or ten years. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I just there's not. I don't think they have a lot of chemistry on screen either uh, way. I, Regardless, yes, I agree with you. There's yeah. not a lot of... And that that romantic attraction is one that we're supposed to buy into very quickly yeah. because they haven't known each other that long and they're supposed to be like madly in love. So that, I think we're... And the love story is a big part of this this version of... It is, yeah. You know what? So I think, I think we're that might be a bit of an issue there. Okay, continue. I'm sorry. Well, th- real quick, I wanted to make my case for this being a Halloween movie. Yes. Um, even though... So it takes place in 1799. Halloween was not widely celebrated at this point in North America. It wasn't until after like the Irish and the Scottish came over, immigrated oh, yeah? later. Okay. Um, I will say though, this is big, a big jack-o'-lantern movie. Oh, yes. Yeah, like the first, because we're in the parts where you see all the jack-o'-lanterns all over town. And it gives you, Yeah, so this is definitely, this is a proto-Halloween movie. This is a Halloween movie before Halloween came to our show. I like that, I like that. So a little history on the jack-o'-lantern and we'll get going here. In Ireland and Scotland, people began to make their own versions of Jack's Lanterns by carving scary faces into turnips or potatoes and placing them into windows or near doors to frighten away Stingy Jack and other wandering evil spirits. Stingy Jack. In England, large beets are used. Immigrants from these countries brought the jack-o'-lantern tradition with them when they came to the United States. They soon found that pumpkins, a fruit native to America, make perfect jack-o'-lantern. Pumpkins are native to America? Yes, and I. Wow, that's and I nev- cool. I've never thought about whether they're a fruit or a vegetable before. They're a fruit. They're a fruit. Yeah, yeah they because the seeds, I yep. believe. The seeds. Yeah. I've never like thought about it. Yep. Yeah, tomatoes is always the one that. Yep. Blows people's minds. I feel like, although most people know that at this point. Do I need to look up if we have any stingy Jack movies out there? I'm gonna look it up while you continue. The yep, because here comes the plot. Ichabod, however, is skeptical of the paranormal due to his family's past. Boarding at the home of Baltus Van Tassel and his second wife, Lady Van Tassel, he is taken with Baltus' spiritual daughter, Katrina, from his first marriage. When a fourth victim, Jonathan Masbeth, a servant in the Van Garrett household, is killed, 
Ichabod takes his young son, Ichabod takes the victim's son, young Masbeth, under his wing. Ichabod and Masbeth exhume the victims on a tip from Philips, Philisp, Philips, learning that the widow died pregnant. The headless horseman decapitates Philips next. Ichabod, young Masbeth, and Katrina venture into the western woods for the horseman's grave. They find a witch living in a cave who delivers the horseman's who reveals that the horseman's body lies under the tree of the dead. Ichabod digs up the grave and discovers the skull has been taken, deducing it was stolen from by someone who now commands the ghostly revenant who comes into the world of a living through the tree and who will continue to take others' heads until his own is restored to him. Stop. There you go. There We talked a little bit about the differences uh, between the book and the film. Have you ever read the book? I have. I've read it at some point in time. It's been like a very, very long time. Um, there is a film called Stingy Jack. Is there? There is indeed. Um, Horror it movie? Stars, yes, it stars Michael Berryman, mm. uh, Kane Hodder. I am sold already. And Bill Mosley. My God, what a cast. What a trio. <laughs> um, yeah, there you go. Um, oh, wait a second. That could be in development. Uh, perhaps this doesn't actually exist anymore. So uh, it says in development, and I'm not sure what that means exactly so moving on well hopefully hopefully once a strike gets go uh gets over with we'll we'll see stingy jack with so. that cast um yeah you mentioned ichabod crane in the original story he's like a schoolmaster yeah he's also kind of a dick like he'll like he'll like beat his students yeah well that was pretty str- i mean yes that's dickish but that was kind of <laughs> the way it worked back then unfortunately uh he's also he is also referred to as a gold digger by some oh. because katrina about uh, Van Tassel is very wealthy, and uh, Ichabod, as you know, is a teacher, and teachers don't get paid at all, even back yeah, in the back olden then times. They didn't either. <laughs> so, yeah. so you know, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna hold this against him. By the way, look, he's he's doing what he's gonna do. <laughs> yeah, all right. yeah. You know what? I, yeah, I seen a couple of people call in the original story, like call the gold digger. I'm like, hey, hey, lay off. He's living on a teacher's salary. Like, absolutely, let the man live. Um, Irving did not invent the idea of the headless rider. Um, Brothers Grimm, some of the stories in the Dutch and Irish legends that they came up with like a Grim Reaper type rider who carried around a head. So he, uh, Irving lived in the Terrytown region, which is Sleepy Hollow, called Sleepy Hollow now. He moved to the area in 1798 to flee a yellow fever outbreak in New York City. So there you go. Hey. Oh, he was inspired by an actual soldier who was decapitated by a cannonball during the Battle of White Plains around uh, Halloween yeah. 1776, so in the Revolutionary War. Like that scene in The Patriot starring Mel Gibson. Absolutely. That was on the other day and I watched a little bit of it. Because you're dead. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to happen more and more. Have yeah. you started standing? That's the other thing too. Yeah, I have, well, I stand and sway as well. So I've got the baby move where I try to rock. With, even when you're not holding the baby? Even when I'm not holding the it's baby. It's crazy, My wife and I both it? do it. Yeah. It'll go, that'll go away eventually. I but. stood because uh, a couple months back we did the Terrifier. I stood and watched the Terrifier. Terrifier 2. Uh, like like it was a dad movie. You're just standing. I was just standing, and I like I really the kid was in his he was taking a nap. And you're like, why am I standing right now? See, isn't that alarming? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, yes, stingy Jack. <laughs> that night, the horseman kills village midwife Beth Killian and her family, as well as Katrina's suitor Brom Van Brunt. Ah, what a great name for a character. That is way. Casper, right? Casper Van. Casper Van Dien. Love Casper Van Dien. Got a favorite Casper Van Dien performance. Other than Shark Attack, or it's got to be Starship Troopers, right? Yeah, he's great in it. Yeah, yeah. like legitimately great in it. He's he, perfect. He knows he knows the movie he's in too. He's perfect yeah. for that role. Yes. He's perfect for that movie. Yes, which is a fantastic movie. 
It is. Uh, Ichabod was wounded by the horseman, but survives. Ichabod hypothesizes the horseman's targets are linked by a conspiracy. Notary Hardenbrook reveals that the first victim, Peter Van Garrett, had secretly married the widow Winship, writing a new will that left his estate to her and her unborn child. Ichabod deduces that all the victims, except Brom, were either beneficiaries or witnesses to this new will, and that the horseman's master is the person who would otherwise who would have otherwise inherited the estate. Baltus, Van Garrett's closest relative. So we got a lot going on here. Yes, and I don't even want to dig too much in the cold conspiracy thing because honestly, it's not. I don't think it amounts to that much, really. Like, yes, does it obviously play an important part in the finale of the film and the the motivation behind who's controlling the headless horseman? Yes, it does. But I don't think that that reveals very shocking either, to be honest with you. Anyway. I'm gonna. This is. I feel like I'm picking on this movie. I really do think it's it's a solid movie. But I'm trying to identify as we go through the reasons why I just don't feel like it quite fires on all cylinders for me. Um, and the second reason is this conspiracy thing. So I think it's interesting in concept. I think it's cool to have like unravel a mystery, right? To I think you had if you're gonna turn like you said, kind of a brisk story into a two-hour feature film or hour and whatever and change you've got to expand on the story and make it give it put more meat on the bones i guess so i'm cool with that i'm cool with adding those those concepts and those ideas of you know uh, why are people being picked off and who is responsible behind the scenes the issue is you don't spend enough time with any of these people with the exception of ichabod and i not even really christina ricci's character You, you don't really get to know any of these people all that much beyond like he's a farmer or he's the uh the mayor you know like there's no so so when there's when the reveals start happening about like infidelities and and um uh this person knows this person money and this person's got a secret child and all this stuff it doesn't really amount to much as a viewer you're kind of just like okay yeah okay i guess they goofed you know i so i i wish I'm not saying we need to like develop every character in the small town, but I they just I almost wish there was a little bit more to more to some of the characters. What I like about the conspiracy, I'm with you. This because I'm this is what I kind of pinpointed where it starts. The movie starts to kind of lose me a little bit is in the conspiracy and a little bit in the best investigation of it too. Yeah, I do like that it's it does feel like a callback to a lot of like kind of classic horror elements of kind of like the secret society and the conspiracies. So I'm thinking of stuff like I mean the Wicker Man. Even like Rosemary's Baby, something like that, to an extent. But I'm more like The Wicker Man, where it's kind of like a village horror. Yeah, well. with, an, with like religious undertones and yes. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking yeah. of. Um, so I do like it in that way. But um, I'm with you. This is where the movie starts to. It loses l- me a little bit. Lose me a little yeah. bit. Um, Sleepy Hollow is a real town. Do you want to go there? Oh, it is. Yeah. No oh, shit. Yeah. Um, I was looking at places to stay. We can sleep at a super eight. So where is it? It's in. It's in New York. It's, it's called, in New York. It's in a city called Terrytown. Terrytown. Is that upstate? No, I believe it's kind of across from New Jersey. Um, I don't know. I might. Or Long Island, Strong Island. It'd be kind of cool to say, you know. Yeah, I think I went. I guess. Yeah, I would do it. Yeah, I was looking at the Visit Sleepy Hollow website. Oh, they have a lot of like tours and stuff. They oh, a, I'm sure they have a pizza place that gets a very good review. Oh. Um, yeah, that's what I was looking at. Is, is they like a headless horseman themed? No, no, no. Okay, they, I mean, they embrace. The, that be, um, well, you have to, but yeah, uh, I mean, uh, Sleepy Hollow Pizza Place. Let's let's. See I feel like when you try to, um, when you try to push back on that, 
kind of stuff? Beekman Ale House is what it's called. Okay. Excuse me. All it does is draw more attention, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, 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 and I don't think it's something like, but it's also like you have to run a business to for like locals too, and like the locals aren't going to come out for the Sleepy Hollow Pizza. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah I mean, that's true. This this pizza menu, they got all sorts of beers, but they've got fried mozzarella. Oh. They got wings, um, buffalo chicken pizza. Make me hungry, man. Stop yeah, it. Hot honey pizza. Oh, it's, I had a hot honey pizza. Did you? It's well, good, man. This this one's got. Frank's Red Hot Chicken Cutlets, uh, Fresno mm. Peppers, and Mike's Hot Honey. Oh, that sounds good. The Beekman Ave, Red Sauce, Cheese, Bacon, Cherry Peppers. Sounds good, too. Hot Oil, Sauce, Cheese, and Hot Oil. A Double Hot Oil? Yeah. Damn. Um. Um, I'm a fan <laughs> of the Hot Honey Pizza, Get it, if you ever get a chance to do it. Yeah. A lot of them call them uh, Bee Sting Pizzas. The one, yeah, the Bee Sting. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're talking about get one of those. So. Yeah, yeah. Howie's was doing it for a while. Yep. That's yeah. where we were talking about. Yeah, and it was solid. Yeah. Upon discovering the accusation, Katrina angrily burns the evidence. Hardenbrook commits suicide, and Reverend Steenwick convokes a town meeting. I don't think I've ever heard the word convokes before. Convokes? Today. Convokes or a invokes, town meeting. Convokes, but not uh, convokes. Convokes a town meeting. This is taken directly from Wikipedia. There's I, no way. It's definitely trustworthy. <laughs> At the church to discredit Ichabod, but Baltus bursts in, announcing that the horseman has killed Lady Van Tassel. The horseman attacks the church, but is unable to enter. In the chaos, the remaining elders turn on each other. Steenwick kills Lancaster and is in turn killed by Baltus, who is this harpooned. This part's kind of fun, by the way. Who is harpooned and decapitated by the horseman. So, this is where I'm going to ask you. There are 18 decapitations in this movie. Yes. Do you have a favorite? Ooh. Is this the one where the guy's head gets turned around? Because that's my favorite one. Is this the one? I think so. This is where he's yeah decapitated. Well, because this is what's his name? This is Dumbledore, right? Is that who it is? Oh. Uh, it's a... Uh, I can't remember. That's my favorite behind. What's the actor's name? God damn. Uh, Gambon? Yeah, Michael yeah, Gambon. Michael that Gambon, him? yeah. That's, yes. that Because he gets stuck in the fence or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, he gets he gets harpooned and he starts dragging oh, him the through the yard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and then, then he get, like blasts through a fence and he's laying there and then he gets his head whacked. It's pretty good. Yeah. My favorite kill isn't actually a decapitation. It's the Casper Van Dien kill. Where, where he just gets sliced, sliced, sliced in, in half. half. That's yeah. really good, too. It's sweet. Because yeah. it's all done in shadow. It's not gratuitous in any way, but you know exactly what happens. It's super super slick. Yeah. Not only is this Burton's, like, straightforward horror movie, like, it's a... What's funny is that, like, the gore the gore in this is kind of fun. Like, it's kind of that fun gore. So it, this feels like a Tim Burton slasher movie in a lot it of It does. Ways. Oh, yeah. absolutely. One by one, people are getting picked off. Yeah, I love that. Um, my favorite decapitation... It, it's probably the same one, because it's so drawn out, and it just... There's, there's a... <laughs> I always kind of giggle and laugh anytime like somebody is being dragged by something in a movie. Like, yeah, it's always fun. like it's kind of funny, right? Yes. Like, like he's like, ah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's silly. So this movie is also it's mean without being like feeling like gross because it kills a kid, you know, like the young boy oh, yeah. is beheaded too, and I think it kills the kid in the like technically kills a kid in the womb as well. Yes, the little boy one is actually handled really well. I thought. Yeah. Because it could have been anybody else might have been gross about it, but like yeah. I love it. Actually, is more horrifying. Like that, you know, the horseman knows where he's at, and the next thing you see is the horseman walking out of the house and putting something, a third item in the bag, and you're like, "Oh God, he killed!" Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, this is uh, yeah, yeah. Let's see where we're going here. Yeah, so yeah, he offs. I, the, I do like the backstabbing stuff with the, like the town. The town elders essentially like starting to like eat each other alive. Basically, it's fun. Like that, that stuff's fun because, like, let's be honest, we want to see the rich destroy each other. So, and the look of it too is what uh, this one, Oscar. 
for best art direction. As it should have. Yeah, yeah. it's really good. Um, it's always very foggy. It's kind of uh, dark and yeah, gloomy is a, is a good word. Uh, I do like Elfman's score quite a bit here. Yes. I tend to like Elfman anyway, but this is a little different than a lot. Because a lot of his scores do sound samey. I will say this one, there are some twists on the normal. The no. weird thing about Elfman... <laughs> When you say Elfman's scores sound samey, the interesting about, thing about that is usually it's the Tim Burton Elfman scores that sound samey. Right. Because Tim Burton, Elfman knows what Tim Burton wants, and Tim Burton usually kind of wants something along a similar, like Tim Burton has a musical vibe that he likes in his movies. Yeah. There's always variations, but with this one, there it is a bit different. He's able to get a little bit darker with the score and a little bit more of that. I, that hammer horror stuff definitely is part of what he's doing here with the... Yes. The, yes. Um... But like it's weird because like Elfman, when you see him work with other directors, I feel like you don't. It doesn't feel as samey to me. Like Elfman working with like Raimi on um, Spider Man. Yeah. It doesn't like it, it. You can tell it's Elfman, Elfman but, but yeah. it doesn't feel. It certainly feels different from, um, the stuff he's done with Burton. I guess I don't know. Just my opinion. I think they're a good match. And yeah. Yes. Uh, there was one, Elf, recent Elfman score that I really dug. I think it may even be the Justice League score. I can't. I don't want to say. He did Justice League? He did the Justice League. No score, shit. I, think. I didn't realize that. I like Elfman a lot. I do too. Um, I think he's a re- an unbelievably talented musician. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's a bad Danny Elfman score or a, like his music always stands out. And there's a reason why when you when I think of film when I think of film composers, I immediately think of him and composers are like anything you want them to sound like what they sound like like you like you want your bands to sound like you want led zeppelin to sound like led zeppelin you want you know what i mean so absolutely all right this is a long paragraph so bear with me here because we're coming towards the end initially concluding that katrina controls the horseman ichabod discovers that the sigil she had drawn underneath his bed and in the church which he believes summoned the horseman was really one of protection he finds that a wound on lady van tassel's decapitated body was caused post-mortem Van Tassel, alive and well, reveals herself as the master of the horsemen. She faked her death and killed Van Tassel's servant girl, Sarah, to plant her body as hers. She takes Katrina to the windmill where she explains her true heritage. She and her twin sister were members of the impoverished Archer family who were evicted years ago by Peter Van Garrett when he favored Baltus and his family instead. She swore revenge against Van Garrett and all who had wronged her family, pledging herself to Satan if he would raise the horsemen to avenge her by killing them, which would allow her to claim... The Van Garrett and Van Tassel estates uncontested. There is no period in there? What? That's crazy. What <laughs> a run-on. We need to uh, edit that. An incredible we'll run-on sentence. <laughs> Real quick. Yeah, please do. Yeah. I don't care about any of this at this point. Right. Uh, and that that's another issue. So it's not that like all the performers are talented, all the 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 action in the film and the, the look of the film, wonderful stuff. At this point when all the reveals are coming... I've kind of already figured out it's Miranda Richardson, or is that the actress's name, right? Miranda Richardson. Yeah, yeah. I kind of figured out it was her, regardless of like the fake out death thing. Like I've seen enough horror movies to know you if you don't see him die on screen at this point. If I don't see the head come off in this in this in the world of Sleepy Hollow, I'm not buying it. Right. So um, unless it's um the kid Casper Van Dien. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, <laughs> he's dead. Yeah. He's, he's definitely, definitely dead. dead. That's true. Yes. Fair enough. Um. But so I'm kind of just like. Whatever explanation you're going to give me here is not. I'm not going to. I didn't care that much about the conspiracy at this point, like in terms of like the the, the details of it. Yeah. So I'm not going to care that much about the reveal either. You know. Now I'm just ready to see that the horseman. Uh, you know, take out his last victim. I'm 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 ready to roll with that. 
manipulating her way into the Van Tassel household. She used fear, blackmail, and lust. Oh, those are, I mean... Tell as old as time. Yeah. <laughs> you can't deny those. To manipulate the elder elders into her plot, especially if you're an elder. Um, having I mean, el- hey... <laughs> Got to get it where you can get it. Having eliminated all... Uh, back then, though, if you're an elder, you're like like 30 or 40. That's true. Yeah. Like, we're older than most of the elders in the... Yeah, that's true. Having eliminated all other heirs and witnesses, as well as her sister, the Witch of the Woods, for aiding Ichabod, she summons the horsemen to kill Katrina, the last person remaining in the way of her plans. Um, that yeah. seemed mean, by the way, killing the Witch of the Woods. She was all right. Yeah. She was okay. Uh, I love that the Large Marge reference, by the way. Did you catch that? No, I didn't. Do you remember Large Marge? Of course, from, from yes, Pee Wee. Well, there's a scene when they when they visit the witch in the woods when uh, um, Ichabod visits her. There's a scene where she's kind of talking in shadow, and then she does the Large Marge face where she's ah, at the camera. It's oh, it's it's hundred yeah. percent Large Marge. Like yep. yeah, so I, I I really liked that bit. Yeah. We talked a little bit about Depp and Ricci. Um, what yep. works with them, what doesn't? Uh, I do. I just want to mention this is a great cast. We mentioned that. Um, a couple of them have, of course, been in Hammer Horror movies in the past. Sure. But we've got Michael Gambon, Richard Griffiths, Michael Gao, Ian McDermott's in this, Christopher yep. Lee is in this, um, Christopher Walken. So Love uh, Michael Gao, by the way. I always love to see him and stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Always um, my Alfred. Forever my Alfred. Intruder alert. Intruder alert. Yes. From Batman and Robin. Do you remember the Diet Coke commercial with Alfred? I do. He, he did a couple commercials. It's a great commercial, yeah. Uh, because they did the... What, what is the... Which Batman movie has the drive through line? I'll get drive through. Is that forever? That I think it's sounds forever. like forever, yeah. Well, they did a commercial with alongside that because they had the Batman Forever. Remember the, the glasses? The mugs yeah. you could get? Yep. At uh, McDonald's? That's yeah. McDonald's, yep. Yeah, I had the Two-Face one. I always thought it was really cool. Yeah. It was just too small. <laughs> but anyway, but, but he did a, a McDonald's commercial too. Michael Gao getting it. Good job. Let's finish this up, finally. Ichabod and Masbeth rush to the windmill. Oh, another classic uh, horror element, the windmill. Yes. That's more of a universe. I always associate that with, like, Frankenstein. And the burning like windmill. But, like, it burns even, in this too. even the beginning, like, they pull up on, a, like, a horse and carriage, which That's right. always reminds me of, like, Dracula. Yep. Um, after an escape that destroys the windmill and a subsequent chase to the Tree of the Dead, Ichabod retrieves the horseman's skull from Van Tassel and returns it to him, breaking the curse and setting the horseman free from Van Tassel's control. With his head restored, the horseman spares Katrina and instead abducts Van Tassel, giving her a bloody kiss and returning to hell via the Tree of the Dead with her and her. Some of this mythology, though, is kind of sick. Though. It's No, it's super cool. Yeah. I just... Th- that stuff I like, I'm with you. The, invest- the human yeah. story around it is just not... Yeah. Mm, I just wish it was a little bit stronger, but... Um, with their dead in tow, fulfilling her end of the deal, with the case solved, Ichabod returns to New York City with Katrina and young Masbeth just in time for the new century, which we're uh, entering into. I meant to mention earlier, that the, the, if the chemistry between Christina Ricci and Depp is not great in this, uh, the actor who plays Masbeth and, and Depp's chemistry is really good. Like, the two of them are a ton of fun to watch together. Yeah. Him and his, like, his steward, you know, like, I, I love those. Anytime those two are together, it's a ton of fun. I will say that. This is, uh, okay, so I've always, I like Christina Ricci still. Yeah. Um, I think she's a fantastic. You actress. watch her on Yellow Jackets, Yellow right? Jackets. She is yeah. awesome on yeah, Yellow yeah, Jackets. Yeah. Uh, she's my favorite character on that show. Uh, this, though, I do want to say this about Depp. This is, like, my favorite, time, like, Johnny Depp time, like, as far as performances go. I think in his, this in is, his, in his, like, I love, or? like, 90s Johnny Depp into, like, the early 2000s. Into, uh, like, Jack Sparrow. Where he started to lose me is a little bit as he started to get into those Burton movies that we talked about a little bit the, more. Like, Alice in Wonderland. It's a little bit yeah. too much for me. I The height of Depp for me was he did Pirates. Yeah. I already liked him, like, from stuff like this. 
and he did Pirates, and everybody loved Jack Sparrow when yeah. that first. That, uh, now, how you felt about him by the time that seventh, whatever, sixth movie came out? How many of those are there? Four or five? You know what I always liked about it? Like, it's always one of those weird things. We, I don't want to get into Johnny Depp's personal life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I always loved that he, like, continued to visit, like, sick kids dressed oh, yeah, as Jack Sparrow. Like, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah. I don't know. Super like, cool. Yeah. Didn't have to do that. Yeah. I, 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 I dig all that stuff. Me too. And he didn't seem to do it for the optics either. He just No, he did, did it. it. Yeah. yeah. But when he did the – so he did the Jack Sparrow thing. thought it was a great performance. And I was like, finally, like, people are, like, really kind of – seeing how good he can be on a like a major mainstream level. And then right after he'd Once Upon a Time in Mexico and I was like, This is sick. That is like that to me Once Upon a Time in that Mexico is like that is the like peak Johnny Depp yes. to me. Because he's amazing. That's he's what he, so sweet. That's when he shoots the guy for the park, right? It's so sweet. <laughs> and it's he's so he is so insanely different in that movie yeah. than he was like three months earlier when pirates came out or like it was like it was, those were like back to back yeah i think they were the same year and they were so and i was like this guy's like he's like on fire right now and that was i'm like glad you brought that up. up that is my favorite that might be my favorite that's my f- i like that more than desperado that's my favorite of that trilogy it is too yeah for me a lot of people like desperado the most but i like i like that one i like that one and i think it's because of i like all three but yeah i think it's because of depth though i like uh, he's he's amazing in that movie I found the trivia, piece of trivia with Richie. Uh, ah, yes. They first met on the set of Mermaids. Do you know Mermaids, why? Can you think Mermaids, of why? Mermaids. 1990. Do you think of what Johnny Depp's personal life and who was in Mermaids? I don't remember Mermaids. Um, Mermaids was the um, Cher movie. And it also oh, had... Oh! Chris. Um, it was called Mermaids? Yeah, with Nona Ryder starred on it. And he, they, they dated for a long time. Yeah, so yeah. they met at the time and she was just a kid in that So movie. did Burton meet Depp through her then, maybe? Because they did Beetlejuice? That would make sense, wouldn't it? Kind of sad too, because like he never used Ryder again. Yeah, he dumped her for for Depp. For Depp. Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense, wouldn't That's it? That's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, interesting. It, that is weird because Winona Ryder seems like she perfectly for, made for. for uh, maybe we don't want to dive too much into. It's that. not. I don't know what happened. <laughs> uh, I'm just. Yeah. So there you go. Wildly speculating. Yes. <laughs> um, All right. Okay. Cool. That's the end of Sleepy Hollow. Excellent. A movie I like. Um, yeah, I like it too. I do. I feel like I kind of. I feel kind of. That's fine. Lousy, but I mean, I, I, I. There was I. The whole time, I can't. I have to say, the whole time, there was just. I felt like there's something missing. Um, Let's we tell are, the good people what we're doing next. Yes. So we talked like we talked about this a little bit ahead of time. So it's horror adjacent, um, but I we don't get a lot of chances to do that stuff, and because we're sticking with a like a Halloween season theme, uh, movies that take place during the Halloween season. Um, I wanted to go with The Crow. You mentioned it last time around. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a big fan of the film. Uh, I like this movie a lot. I've not seen it in a while. It's one of those movies that like, I always think of like as like, it's probably in like my top 50 or top okay. 100 yeah. of all time. I haven't seen it in a long time. I'm excited to revisit it. It's up there for me. Not like top, you know, top, top, but but it's it's, it's on the list. And uh, But I don't watch it that often. I don't know why that is. It's one of those, like, usually my favorite movies I, I tend to watch, watch. frequently. Yeah. This one's kind of, I don't, so I'm excited to watch it again. It's been a few years, at least. I haven't seen this in a long time, and yeah. I, I'm really excited to revisit it, because I don't remember a lot beyond, cool. like, certain, there are iconic moments in this movie. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Alex Proyas, uh, director of Gods of Egypt. Where is the, uh, yeah, is that the last movie? Is he in director's jail for that? Because he should not be. No. It's right there. I, it's, I mean, it's... <laughs> It has a prime space in my... We were told the Gods of Egypt story on the podcast before. I don't think so. When I bought everybody I knew. 
a copy of I Gods of Egypt. I stand by Gods of Egypt being a really it's fun, fun like comic book version of the Egyptian Egyptian gods. It's fun. It's great. I love Gods of Egypt. Anyway, uh, he has done some stuff since. Oh, has he? Okay, uh, but not a lot. Okay, um, some shorts. He did a movie called Mask of the Evil Apparition, mm. uh, a new short film. Okay, so that's a short. Uh, he's only done shorts since. Weird. He must be like doing it, like trying to get get back in the game, huh? But he's got a killer picture on IMDb. That's great picture. He, he directed this like he was. Proyas was like big around this time because he directed Dark City. Dark too. City. Dark City is a movie that I can't see. Like I literally cannot see what's going out of that movie. No, it's too dark. Um, <laughs> it is a dark city. Um, yeah, and he did a uh, uh, iRobot, which I kind of liked. I kind of liked that yeah. too. Yeah. Um, he did a movie called Garage Days in 2002. I remember liking that movie. Um, he did uh, Knowing with Nicholas Cage. Oof. oof. That's where things started to Oof. get a little bit oh, weird. Oh, boy. So. Well, let's talk about uh, the crow. Prime Proyas. Yes, Prime Proyas. Uh, next Primus. time with the crow. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, stay safe out there. Mm-hmm.